You're listening to the Forefront Church Sermon Podcast. Forefront Church is a progressive Christian community more interested in asking good questions than having all the right answers. Thanks for listening. I'm Reverend Venita. My pronouns are she, her, hers. Really happy to be continuing our Lenten sermon series for today. My topic is going to be cultivating meaningful work. Sorry. <laughs> How many people have heard of the family circus? Ah, very nice. One of my favorite comic strips. It's the most widely syndicated cartoon panel in the world. It actually appears in 1,500 newspapers. Yes, people are still reading newspapers. (laughs) But here's one of my favorites. Yesterday's the past. Tomorrow's, I'm sorry. We had this all figured out earlier. Testing one, two. Here's here's one of my favorites. Yesterday's the past. Tomorrow's the future. But today is a gift. That's why it's called the present. So as we think about what it means to understand that each day God gives us is a gift, and we are to think about the gifts and the talents that God has given us to be able to share with the world. We reflect during this Lenten season on Jesus and all that Jesus did throughout his ministry to be able to make an impact. And we're sharing these stories leading up to Jesus's arrest and his death and his resurrection throughout these next uh, four or five weeks. So throughout the gospel, we find so many accounts of Jesus utilizing his gifts. One particular verse that stands out to me, and it was actually the first sermon that I preached on, says this in the words of Jesus. While it is daytime, we must do the works of the one who sent me. But when the sun sets and night falls, this work is impossible. So Jesus is prioritizing all those things that he has been given to do while on earth. He showed his followers a different way. He showed his followers that he was the way as he moved in uncharted directions. He shed a different light on customs and practices. He asked probing questions and then questions were actually posed to him. He resisted the status quo and moved to the beat of his own rhythm. He turned heads and caused people to take a closer look as he healed on the Sabbath, performed miracles, and changed the trajectory of individuals' lives, and not only their lives, but the lives of their family members and communities as well. 
When Jesus healed and performed miracles, he encouraged those who were the recipients of his gifts to go and share the good news with others, where each one was encouraged to reach one. And while there are so many stories of Jesus pulling back, taking good care of himself, getting the rest and serenity that he needed, Jesus was committed and persistent in touching and empowering those around him with goodness and love as he continued to carry out the work of the divine, as is evident in today's scripture. We're looking at Luke 13, verse 31, and it reads, at, some, at that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. It's interesting that while Jesus is going about doing his good and meaningful work, that there were folks who were trying to block his progress. Now, these Pharisees were coming with a distinct warning. And typically, they would approach Jesus in a host of different circumstances. The Pharisees would come to test Jesus. The Pharisees would come to argue with Jesus. They would come to question Jesus. They would plot against Jesus to determine how they would trap him. They would send spies out to Jesus. And there were those who had a different mindset. There were some who were actually intrigued by what Jesus was teaching and preaching. Some of them would say, no one ever spoke the way he spoke. And then there were those who came to him secretly. One example is that we have in scripture is Nicodemus coming to Jesus by night, asking what he must do to be born again. And then that there were a host of individuals who believed, but were fearful to confess it. This reminds me of when my husband Todd and I decided that we would go to an inclusive and affirming church. And it was wonderful. We were involved in ministry. But I had a whole group of friends, some conservative folks who had no idea that I was working alongside folks who were in the LGBTQIA community because I was fearful. And I started doing work in other areas, but there were one group of friends and family members who had no idea that I was doing this work over there. But let me tell you something, after six or seven years, it got pretty tired. I felt hypocritical. And then I had to, as an ally, come out and let people know fully in all of my circles that I support the LGBTQIA community. So I thank God for that. <clears throat> so what was the purpose of their approach in this particular instance? Were they trying to look out for Jesus or were they hoping to get rid of this problematic presence in Jerusalem? Now, given their overall hostility towards Jesus and the fact that many Pharisees really wanted to get rid of Jesus, one could make a case for the latter. Their message was direct. They, would, they said Jesus would need to leave because Jesus' life was actually in danger. 
Jesus had been going about preaching and teaching about the kingdom of God. And Herod, who was the ruler at this time over the particular territory where Jesus was doing a lot of his ministry in the area of Perea, he was concerned about this. I mean, Jesus preaching about the kingdom of God. Would he try to overthrow his kingdom? What would actually happen? So his message was to send Jesus this warning. So while Herod had a message for Jesus, Jesus had a message for Herod. And he goes on to say in verse 32, he replied, go tell that fox. Okay, Jesus. Okay. (laughs) He doesn't appear to be fearful or intimidated. Jesus says, go tell that fox. I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today, tomorrow, and on the third day, I will reach my goal. In any case, he continued, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. So this is really loaded, these two verses. There's some reference to maybe Jesus' resurrection, him rising on the third day. Um, There are a host of different things here related to where prophets typically die. So Jesus is attempting to make a point to them, and he is not backing down. Jesus resolves that his goals would not be deterred. He knew his time was limited, so he had to maximize the moment and cultivate meaningful work while he was on earth. This is what he was used to doing. He was used to strengthening that muscle of letting people know that they are seen, that they are loved, and they are valued because they've all been made in the image of God. And as we cultivate our unique gifts and talents, which we all have, and share them with the world, we create a sense of meaning and purpose in our lives. I've always been taught through my mother and through a host of other ancestors that my gifts will make room for me. Your gifts will make room for you. And what God has for you is for you. Amen. So I feel that this week, the Lord opened up this door for my gifts to make room for me as I had the opportunity to help host one of the honorees of the Kennedy Center Honors. Now, the Kennedy Center Honors are annual honors given to those in the performing arts for their lifetime of contributions to American culture. This year's honorees were Gladys Knight, U2, George Clooney, and Amy Grant, who we were singing about today. In addition to who I met this week, composer, conductor, and educator, Tanya Leone. So Tanya Leone was born in Cuba. Uh, She's an American artist. And when she was a little girl, her grandmother noticed something very special about her. Her grandmother recognized that she was gifted 
and her mother and other family members rallied around Tanya Leone to be able to support her when she was three or four years old. They ensured that she had lessons and that she was exposed to the arts in a profound way. Ultimately, one of her most famous compositions entitled Stride is based on the struggles of women for equal rights. It's a piece that celebrates achievement and it was commissioned by the New York Philharmonic and it won the Pulitzer Prize in 2021. Tanya Leone is a path-breaking composer for mixing traditional orchestral sounds and Latin rhythms, and she's known as a conductor and an advocate for contemporary music in all of its diversity. I have been so inspired by Tanya Leone and by her story. She has such a moving story, and her accomplishments have created a sense of meaning and purpose, and her work is ultimately healing people today and tomorrow. And I thank God for that, because through her work, people are able to have a sense of peace, and empowerment, and they are able to consider the possibilities in their own lives. Even at the age of 79, she talked about having upcoming projects. <laughs> she, still, she still has initiatives that she's working on. Uh, she's still up for another, yet another honorary doctorate degree. And she has motivated me so, so much. And believe it or not, she, even though she said that there were so many people trying to kill her dreams and discourage her by saying that people who looked like her don't play classical music, she is still the only woman of color to have ever conducted the New York Philharmonic. She is considered to be a musical activist and she has continued to push for change and for more opportunities for herself as well as others. And her commitment and resolve, in my opinion, are reflective of the words of Jesus. I must press on. I must press on. I encourage us to think about what that means in our own individual lives as we consider our own gifts. As her compositions continue to be played all over the world, she wants her meaningful work to continue well after she leaves this earth. She even said, you know, our time here is temporary. And she said the afterlife is going to be much longer, so I'm going to work hard here to ensure I do what I need to do. We found out this week that Columbia University will be housing her archives. So this was big news this week. And this is Columbia's rare book and manuscript library. So that's a big deal. So Todd and I have been so inspired by her meaningful work. Can't you tell? <laughs> and I hope that during this Women's History Month, you take the time to learn more about Tanya Leone. So professor and author Brene Brown writes about meaningful work in her book, The Gifts of Imperfection. Let go of who you think you're supposed to be and embrace who you are. She says, meaningful work is unique. No one can define what meaningful work looks like for us as it is different for everyone. 
There is no cookie cutter formula that will help us to uncover what will derive satisfaction and meaning from. The fact is that it's different for every individual. And that's what makes it so inspiring and so special. Uncovering and developing meaningful work in our lives can have a profound impact on both our lives and also our relationships. When we are more satisfied with ourselves and feel that we are following our passions, we are generally more content with ourselves and with our relationships. So given that meaningful work is defined on an individual basis, here's some discovery questions to help us uncover what our own meaningful work might be. I encourage you, if you can't answer them all, that's okay. Maybe you can answer at least one or reflect on it. What are your gifts and talents? What are you most passionate about? And then what would you spend time doing even if you didn't get paid? So here at Forefront, we are trying at every turn to ensure that we are doing meaningful work. We want people to live out their authentic lives, and we want people to realize their full potential. We want people to experience the goodness of God, the grace of God, the compassion of God, where they can be healed and whole. During this season of Lent, I encourage you to dig deep, to begin to cultivate those areas of your own lives that you feel God is calling you to, and then press on. When you cultivate meaning in your life and in your work, you help uplift people in ways you have no idea. Sometimes you are touching people and people are having an impact, a profound, you are having a profound impact in someone else's life. We sit here in Kinship Cafe and we share so many stories and believe it or not, in so many ways, you are touching the lives of others. And this does not simply come from church leadership. This comes from each and every one of you. Last week, we had the opportunity to hang out um, over Kyle's for a Sunday brunch, and we had a really, really nice time. And someone started talking about how they wound up being at Forefront, and they had visited a couple of other progressive churches, and they said that there was something very different about Forefront. And I began to ask, well, what makes the difference between our progressive church and the other progressive churches that you visited? And this person said, at forefront, I feel affirmed. I feel affirmed. And that isn't just coming from one person. It's not coming from just one sermon. It's coming from each and every one of us. Yesterday, the leadership had an opportunity to conduct um, professional development. We had a leadership training, and it was all focused on the Enneagram, the personality test. And, and um, I took it yesterday for the first time. <laughs> and um, it was phenomenal. And I uh, thank Reverend Josh for introducing us to Shelly, who conducted a very meaningful all-day workshop. And there were a couple of things that Shelly shared that I'm going to leave us all with as I close out this sermon. As we reflect upon cultivating meaningful work, 
please remember that what we need to grow is already inside of us. I'll repeat that again. What we need to grow is already inside of us. And then lastly, our gifts are already within us. Continue to cultivate meaningful work. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the Forefront Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Forefront and how we're ushering in the next 500 years of Christianity, visit ForefrontChurch.com.